Hey, party people. Thanks for downloading our podcast, This American Horror Story. This is our review for the 10th episode of Season 4, called Freak Show. The episode is titled Orphans. Here we go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted. What's up, Tyler? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too, my friend. And uh, for the first time in a while, we're recording uh, on the night of the show, so that's a whole new feeling. I've got a drink tonight. What are, do you, how about you? Um, I had two beers earlier, and I'm chilling right now because i got to get in uh, to work early, but what are you drinking? I am drinking bourbon and cider. I'm back to the classics. Oh. I do want all our readers to know that you're recording live from bed. So Yes, <laughs> I'm recording from my bed. It's not as sexy as it sounds. <laughs> it's it's not. He's wearing his PJs. It's I can see Ah, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. Obviously, a lot of... Um, Things what to talk about in this episode. Yeah, was that? we mentioned this earlier, but that, a it was a long one, and you're like, yeah, but man, what a sad one too. It was tragic, and uh, I've got some major mixed feelings that I'm excited to talk with you about and, and get your opinion cool. on. Um, before we begin, as always, um, first things first, we want you to we encourage you guys to keep checking us out on Facebook at facebook.com/slash This American Horror Story Podcast, and to keep uh, emailing us at This American Horror Story at gmail.com. And, of course, finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, reviewing us, um, giving us new ideas, critiquing, whatever. We appreciate that. That's awesome. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I do want to point out what I thought was a very insightful comment on our Facebook wall from Kayla, who mentioned the parallel between Dandy's bloodbaths and Madame LaLaurie's, uh, like, blood facial she would give herself. Some kind of the idea of extracting blood from somebody else. Um, which I thought was an interesting parallel Brilliant. that I hadn't made that connection before right that was smart i hadn't caught that either and so you know we know that ryan murphy and brad falchuk like to slip those kind of uh references to past seasons some more blatant like obviously sister mary Eunice, and other maybe others maybe more subtle like maybe uh this blood connection but anyway without further ado uh i guess let's go ahead and jump right into episode 10 correct episode 10 i think uh, which means we only have two episodes left this season. And this episode is called Orphans. And man, were there a lot of orphans. So, uh, let's talk about the opening scene in which Salty... Okay, so first of all, we find out that the second pinhead is named Salty. That was the first revelation right. of this part. I feel like maybe I did not know that... I don't remember if we ever hear his name before. If we did, I missed it. Part I two. I didn't remember it. We... Yeah. Right. Second thing... Uh, they're, they're husband and wife. They're not brother and sister. Um, right. I don't know why I assume they were siblings. <laughs> did, did you think they were in a relationship? I had no idea what they were. They just, they could have been two people that were just had the same, under the same, had the same condition. Maybe they were siblings. I don't know. They didn't really hint at it either way or in any way, uh, early on. So yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really think about it too much. I thought they're similar people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Salty has died. Um, and we learn a few things. He's died from a stroke. And I guess Elsa makes the point that, like, most most pinheads die before the age of 40, that he's probably, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like this is relatively common. So, which also means, that something we should note is that Pepper out has outlived her, or, by, you know, by the time she reaches the asylum, has outlived her life expectancy mm-hmm. uh, significantly. Um, but Elsa's kind of cold about the death of Salty and talks about how, how you know, he was just an idiot and she tried to make him smarter, but she never had a ch- you know, she never could. But Pepper is not that way and that Pepper right. is smart and can communicate. So she almost, Elsa almost seems more sad for Pepper losing Salty than she is over the actual I death think of that's, Pepper. I think that's a great deduction. Absolutely. She's more sad that her, as we learned, her little, one of her angels 
the most pure soul um, is sad again as opposed to Salty, who she tried to educate. And so we end up kind of learning. uh, We end up kind of learning about this connection that Pepper and Elsa had that... I don't know. It was kind of a surprise because I don't really... Did we really see them? I mean, we kind of felt that connection between Elsa and Ma Petite, but I feel like we didn't really... Uh, this is the. I feel like this is the first time I was like, oh, I didn't realize Elsa really cared that much about Pepper, you know? We've yeah, never really seen yeah. her be that nurturing to her or anything. That's kind of um, American Horror Story style. Oh, it's Pepper's episode. Oh, shit, we forgot to put in some scenes where we see them love each other. <laughs> so, let's yeah, just so talk about we're it. Gonna make you, like it's we're going to make you really care about this relationship real fast. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> um, a couple th- a couple things to know here in this opening scene, though. Um, I thought it was interesting the way they had Stanley appear in the mirrors between Elsa. If you look at kind of her mirror set up mm-hmm. and he's like split between them. Um, just like symbolically about how he's, you know, dividing people, I guess, in the freak show. Right. Uh, but he brings a telegram from the head of uh, one of the networks that supposedly Elsa's going to go you know, join saying that, you know, um, she's going to be called up to Hollywood in the next few weeks or something. So basically Stanley wants to take care quote unquote of Pepper. Um, but Elsa's pretty devoted to doing right by Pepper, um, because they have this whole backstory. And so I was going to ask, you know, it, I'm a little bit confused about where Elsa stands because in one episode, you know, we kind of move from episode to episode where on one episode, it's like, she is a selfish, asshole and mm-hmm. only cares about herself and doesn't really care about the rest of the freaks and is only concerned with her own stardom. But then we kind of see like real genuine empathy and compassion for Pepper in this episode. So I was kind of, I was wondering what your take was on what's going on with Elsa in her mind, what her motivations are. I think as we saw with uh, Ethel, she wrestles with kind of who she should be. She is in very big, time self-preservation mode so she can find her success and follow her ambition to tv land but it's a little different when it's someone who isn't innocent and with pepper and with my petite they were pure innocence to her so maybe that's just the different type of relationship she has with different types of her uh her monsters as she calls them true and maybe there's something there to how elsa values this innocence Mm-hmm. Um, like we, you know, like how she has these special relationships with Pepper and Mapetite, and maybe right. it has something to do with Elsa kind of having lost her innocence back when she kind of um, was working in the cat houses before she got her legs sawed off. You know, yeah. they, you know, they remind her of a, a time without kind of that darkness that she's now experienced. Um, but anyway, uh, we transition to Stanley taking care of Salty by chopping his head off with an axe. Very brutally, um, with apparently... So, so you know, we've been talking about Stanley never actually doing the dirty work. This is him doing... I mean, he didn't actually kill Salty, at least not that we're mm-hmm. aware of. But this is him actually getting down and dirty, and he absolutely seems to have no problem with it. Yeah. Oof. And so, really makes you wonder if what kind of maybe sociopath he might be. Um, but we then see Salty's head back in the museum with Mapetit. Uh, which I thought was like a pretty cool camera shot where we suddenly kind of zoom out on Salty's head and see my potato. Yeah. Although, not that that was a reveal or anything, but... This episode was directed by Bradley Buecher, who is also one of the executive producers of the show. And he's done a bunch of episodes, so anyway. But there's a lot of cool uh, film techniques in this uh, episode, I thought. Yeah, there was one specifically uh, later I noted that I'm going to be sure to bring up and see if you noticed it too. Um, Okay, so I kind of divided this episode into two general tracks, and we'll talk about them one at a time. One is kind of the Pepper track, and the Mm -hmm. other is kind of the Maggie Desiree track. Although really, Desiree plays a pretty... She's a a big player in all of them. (laughs) Desiree kind of plays a central role in both. She kind of propels the story forward. Um, Well, we can talk about her, both of them, as it comes along, I guess. Right. Well, I want to start about this nurturing moment we have with Desiree reading a book to Pepper, um, which I thought was a very sweet sweet. moment. She's she's stepped in to become kind of like the den mom for everyone since they've 
they're kind of all lost and losing lots of people. You know, Desiree's all of a sudden become compassionate toward all the other people there. She's cooking. She's you know threatening to kill people if they mess with her yeah. people. She is feeling feeling she's, very. She's passionate. that tough mom in the trailer park. Yeah. And so Dell walks in, and so we know a couple. You know, obviously he's recovered from his attempted hanging, uh, mm-hmm. and so he's you know pleading with Desiree to try to fix things in their relationship and move things on. But a couple questions for you here. So first of all, Desiree says you know. Um, we're not right together. I don't think it's a good idea for us to stay together. I can never tr- make you truly happy. So was she implying what we think she's implying when she says that? Do you think? Does she know? You only like me because I have a little wiener. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's what it means. Yeah. Do you but think, so did Desiree see his suicide yeah, that, note? Oh, I don't know about that. I thought that, you know, it, did his suicide note say he was gay? We, I don't think We're that bi. we actually saw fully what it said, but it was yeah. supposedly some kind of like he says something about maybe it was very cryptic because the part we heard him say was talking about like not being able to live with his inner self. So maybe he doesn't actually mm. openly reveal killing my petite. Right, right, right. Well, I don't know. I don't think she saw it because she kind of walks in and like just wakes him up immediately. It seemed it seemed like, but. I, yeah. I think maybe she just put two and two together, yet we never see a scene where she maybe, like, you know, is hinting or has been hinted that he might not be sexually interested in her. She becomes a full on woman. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she's a smart enough person that she could use her powers of deduction to kind of understand what hit, what's yeah. going on with him. But and the only why, purpose what is of the del- scene was. Uh, so the purpose of the scene was just to, I, I wish it had gone a little bit quicker, but it's to get her into that relationship with Theo or uh, Angus, Angus later on. Well, I was going to ask you, what is Dell's motivation in wanting to get back with her? Do you think that he's just, you know, he feels maybe some uh, connection to her now that she saved his life? Yeah. I mean, she says that literally, or he says that literally to her. And like, you saved my life. Now, you know, I want to be do you right and everything and she's like you saved my life we're even let's both be try to be happy with our lives we still have a shot i think i mean that's yeah. this is supposed to see the be the parting of the of those two mm-hmm. um yeah and i i think you're right and i think that this is pretty definitive at this point that it's like now yeah. they're more amicable they're not mm-hmm. angry at each other anymore but now it's like they're gonna be they're gonna go there each go his own way um his or her own way Um, Of course, and this is also right immediately afterwards, we kind of see Pepper being bereaved and throwing and breaking things and being upset about this ultimate loss. And uh, Desiree kind of puts her in a place, too, like a good mother. She scolds her, you know. Yeah, yeah. Pick that stuff up and put it back. Are you finished yet? Now you can pick that shit up. (laughs) Yeah. Desiree had some great lines this episode, I will say. She did. I'm glad we've gotten to see a little more Angela Bassett as the show's progressed, because she is a kind of an underrated character, I believe, and... Seems to be one of the ones with a with a uh, you know a, a strong head on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. Definitely so, and she definitely uh, can throw around that sass with some of those lines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Desiree, um, oh, go ahead. Uh, the last thing about this scene and whatnot, and going forward, before we delve into more of um, Pepper and whatnot. I, I got to say, uh, Naomi Grossman, who plays Pepper, did a phenomenal job this episode. I'm so glad she got her chance in the spotlight because she was great. I think that that's, I mean, well said. I felt I, things. I should have brought that up earlier, too. Oh, she, uh, you know, the Ooh. the emotion she was able to express without words, yeah, was pretty mm-hmm. profound. And uh, obviously in a number of scenes. <laughs> um, but in these opening scenes when she's, you know, in... Um, you know, she's mourning the death of Salty to the later scenes, you know, when her and Elsa s- split. Yeah, she does, a, she does an incredible job. She does. She is a great actress, and I, I think you're absolutely right. We need to give her credit where credit's due. Um, so Desiree goes to join Elsa, um, and they drink some schnapps and talk about kind of the background of Pepper, of course. And we talk about, you know, we learn about Pepper's kind of profound fear of being alone. And um, we're kind of continuing to play up this myth of, well, the myth that Elsa's kind of created for herself of being this mother to all these kind of misfits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, which I think is, you know, the episode's called Orphans, so that's kind of fitting. Right. Of course, Elsa goes to, 
you know, when she first comes to the United States, we see more background on her when she first came to the United States with her new legs. She's a chorus girl, but realizes that she's kind of smarter and more talented than the other people in the show. And also, she wants to run her own show, so she can be the star. Um, one thing I do want to say is that I thought the makeup was pretty incredible in this section because they made Jessica Lange look really young and beautiful. Um, because this is supposed to be, you know, in the they they, they do a good job with the age difference. Maybe makeup. not that long ago, but it was yeah supposed to be ways ago. So I thought that was pretty neat. But then um, she decides she's going to start her own show, and it's going to be a freak show because I, I think it's like she starts it up during World War II, and it's because all of the she said all of the normal circus performers would have gone off to war, and so she knew the freaks the freaks wouldn't be asked off to war because they've got abnormalities of some kind so we kind of see the origin of her where she kind of thought or how she kind of came about deciding to do the freak show um also she kind of has a selfish component too because she says you know what does she say come for the freak stay for the star so she kind of also yeah. realizes that they'll just There's be our Elsa. And because and she's <laughs> fully functioning she'll be the star uh, and then so we, we see kind of the scene where she goes to the orphan orphanage to pick up um, Pepper and they kind of have some bonding moments where they play checkers and games and they end up leaving together. And Elsa calls her Pepper her, her first monster. So Pepper's been the one who's been with her the longest of anybody. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought? And Elsa says something interesting here that it was the first time I'd ever felt unconditional love. How um, sad. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it may, you know, maybe I think part of this we're supposed to be learning more about Elsa too, and kind of where she comes mm-hmm. from. I think we talk about doesn't at one point she she says like not talks about like not being wanted by her parents or something about not having parents when she was younger, and so you know we we realize that they have this very special relationship. But I did put the note here like where was this earlier? You know, it does. I do wish that like this was a relationship we could have built on oh, yeah. multiple episodes instead of all at once. They are I think I think people who have seen Asylum and uh, will have a a different reaction to this episode than people who have not seen Asylum because like you're saying right now if we didn't get much background on Pepper at all this season and all of a sudden there's a Pepper centric episode on an episode 10 most people who haven't seen Asylum may be like, who is this person and why are we focusing a whole episode on on them? But people from Asylum are probably thrilled about it. Like, I mm. was pumped because we know who she is and what happens to her. And her, you know, the tragic life that she ultimately ends up uh, living with hints of sunshine. But I think I, I would love to hear the difference between people who have seen Asylum, what they think about this episode, versus people who don't, who haven't seen Asylum. That's a really great point and something I hadn't thought of before. And, you know, you mentioned that we're getting this in episode 10. And that's mm-hmm. kind of incredible because we only have two episodes left after this. And the Pepper storyline doesn't really pull our overall story forward. I mean, we don't even see Dandy in this episode. We mm-hmm. do have kind of the Maggie storyline that propels things you know, forward a little bit. At but, the end of the episode, yeah. <laughs> but that's hard. Yeah, that's kind of a subplot. This Pepper thing is the primary thing. So what? what is the point of doing that so late in the season? Why now? Right. Yeah, it almost feels like it's just a... Uh kind of pandering to the fans to get a lot of pepper who is a fan favorite which is great but it was i don't know i am we'll have to see when we come back from the break but i'm interested to see if this was you know like you said propels our narrative forward for the last few episodes i just you know this episode seemed in some ways to me to be kind of an insulated episode where it's like the story definitely you know you could watch this episode and yeah you'd have the maggie stuff really but for the most part you could watch it's, this episode and like understand everything that's going on and stuff without really knowing what else is going on in the season. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's very, it's kind of reminds me of the, some of those walking dead, uh, standalone episodes, you know? Oh, like the one with, um, Carol and the children yep. and the flowers. Oh yeah. yeah. That just a beautiful n- narrative. Um, yeah. And perhaps the one with Daryl and Beth, you know, mm-hmm. just, but yeah, they're just these little standalone episodes that work. Like, yeah, like these little vignettes that are kind of... Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah, Um, self-contained. One more thing before we move on from them. I wrote this down, but in in the flashback to the 1936 um, circus that that Elsa was in, there was a lot of uh, 
and, and, and the stuff where she goes and picks up um, Pepper, there was a lot of imagery that we see, I, at least I thought I noticed this, that we see in the opening credits. So some of the blocks, uh, the sword lady, um, I couldn't write them all down, but as we were going through, but I was like, oh, this looks like the intro. <laughs> So. I want, they must have done that on purpose, right? That was probably just an Easter egg so. that you found. So nice work. I wasn't that observant. So that's kind of. <laughs> I did notice the sword swallower, which I thought was yeah, cool. yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's all. Right. Yeah. So back to kind of the Pepper plot. You know, Elsa's explaining how Pepper was feeling maternal, but you know, she knew she Pepper couldn't breed. I guess because they didn't. Yeah, that's want... quite a primitive way of saying <laughs> that. Well, I mean, it's interesting because it's kind of, you know, eugenics, this kind of race science. And this is, of course, kind of happening simultaneously when back in Germany, where Elsa's from, you know, they were conducting race science with the Holocaust. And so you kind of think that you have to you have to think that Elsa may have brought some of that um, Mm -hmm. form of thinking with her when she came to the United States. Right. Right. Yep. So anyway, um, this Maharaja from... Some uh, Middle Eastern company or some Middle Eastern country comes to see the show and happens to have Ma Petite there, but it's like it's like she's like his precious pet, kind of. Um, I was so I, happy when I saw Ma Petite walking down, though. I was happy when I saw that. What did you think of the fact that when she gives that to to get Ma Petite from this guy, she gives him Dr Pepper? Did this I, seem like I, product placement to you, or like was it I, I just trying like, to be yeah, cheesy? That's a good point because I've, I've been seeing that a lot more in other TV shows. Um, I don't know if you watch. Do you watch New Girl at all? Off and on, but not closely. Okay, this most recent one, they they're going to the airport and they talk about this Ford Fusion that they're driving in, and and they there's like a whole twenty seconds spent on talking about the Ford Fusion, and it was like, is this a commercial now? So it may very well be, but. Um, it was just know, so blatant, I, I, though. It was like, it hit yeah. you over the head. Like, I, I almost kind was... of hope it was. I almost kind of hope it was product placement, because otherwise it was like, where the hell yeah. did that come from? It was so cheesy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it did feel like a commercial. One thing to note, they did choose Dr. Pepper. <laughs> right, uh, I know. It, I think Elsa goes, ironic, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I thought that was kind of dumb, but... <laughs> yeah. Because th- this Maharaja, he probably could have just gone to the store about Dr. Pepper there anyway. Right. But whatever. So that's how they get Mopetite, and Pepper kind of mothers Mopetite. So we know she does have these maternal instincts. Um, but she needed a spiritual husband or something, and so... Exactly. That, that's when they find Salty from Cincinnati. And they've got like this weird like inspirational music in the background at this point. I didn't know how to feel about uh, this whole story. It was... I felt like we were watching the inspirational story of Pepper, you know, is uh, I don't know. It was it was it was we, we this flashback took a long time. <laughs> I'm going to I was planning on saying this at the end of all this, but I'm going to say it now. Yeah. I think this Pepper stuff was wonderfully acted um uh, and absolutely sad and tragic, but I th- I do have to say that I kind of feel like Ryan Murphy is mixing up horror with like just complete sadness and tragedy. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was nothing a horror. Like, I guess if you if you're if we're broadening our definition of horror to just like the depravity of of human nature and like how shitty yeah. people can be to each other, then yeah, it's horrifying, but not in the way that like people watch a horror movie. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? It's um, we're we're looking at different forms of horror this season. I guess. Uh, but anyway, so we watched this kind of old film reel of Pepper and Salty Sweaty, which I actually thought was filmed really in a really cool way. I, I liked that part. It reminded me of uh, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses or Devil's Rejects, which, I don't know, they, they kind of have that circusy feel, and that, that except a little more, that, that was a little more 70s and stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah. But this was, I mean, also more uplifting too, obviously, because... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but also, you know, basically she says, you know, I was their fairy godmother. So she's basically calling it like a Cinderella story, you know, a, a love story for the ages. And yeah, this is kind of a theme we've really beat, um, has really been beat over our heads this season is that of innocence, obviously. And this is kind of what their romance embodies is, 
you know, complete right. complete innocence. Um, but Desiree basically the way the story ends is obviously then you know we hear about their love story and then Salty is now dead and so Desiree wants Elsa to find Pepper's sister because they're worried about you know what's going to happen when Elsa leaves. Um, yeah, because oh, what is that? Desiree says, you know that that poor girl she's lost everyone. Mm-hmm. So Elsa then brings Pepper to her sister as she tracks her down and up in Sudbury, Massachusetts, which we knew was kind of somewhat near the asylum. One thing is like if Elsa cared so much about Pepper, why couldn't she just take her with her to the take her with her to you know TV? But I guess maybe Elsa wants to leave everything behind, or if she takes one person, then she's going to feel bad about not taking other people or something. Yeah. But... There's a lot of what ifs in that. Like, I was thinking, why doesn't Desiree just take over? It looks like she's trying to. Yeah, she's being the mother figure. Um, she certainly would have been a better one than the sister. And, you know, yeah. we get a clear impression from the beginning that the sister is not going to necessarily be a very good caretaker for Pepper right. when she calls her dim-witted kind of right from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we get the feeling right away that they're, like her husband is clearly some kind of... Uh, has some anger issues or is a little bit unstable. Because <laughs> she keeps yeah. saying how upset her husband's going to be when he finds out Pepper's there. Um, but they give us this really like, it's a very powerful scene, but it also feels like it's trying to be too powerful. You know what I meant? It felt like it was trying hard. Um, the scene between Elsa and Pepper where like the sister agrees to take Pepper and like walks out of the room and they have this like goodbye moment. Um, I was just, it just made me think like, what the hell are we watching? This didn't feel like American Horror Story to me. It, it felt, felt like, like her, I know, I felt like I was watching Grey's Anatomy or something. Yeah, some like mushy, just like super sad trauma. It's funny, the more I'm talking to you about it, the more I'm like, oh, maybe I didn't like it as much as I thought. Because, yeah, I, I, I just kind of tricked myself into thinking I was watching some drama. And I would, because I, in this moment, I remember as I was watching it, I felt a lot of things. And because I loved Pepper in Asylum. And, and especially when she be, starts talking. So because I have that background, I think I felt more than. I should have. Well, and but this was a powerful. I mean, the like you said, the woman who plays Pepper was fantastic in this episode. When mm-hmm. she like, well, you see it dawning in her eyes that she realizes Elsa's leaving. Like you can actually mm-hmm. see that trans- like that realization hit yeah. her. And how tragic that is, and how like scared she is to be there. Like you do, you feel complete empathy. I think my problem with it is I just feel like we're somewhat being taken advantage of because it's like yeah, we're being forced into the story so quickly. And like with all with the music no and dog, all the background, right? yeah, it's just like you know we're being forced to kind of episodes. feel these emotions very fast, and I do feel them, but I'm like a little bit skeptical of them. I think because of that, yeah, I I, I get I totally get what you're saying. And so we fast forward to 1962, and at you know when we finally see Sister Mary Eunice, which we had kind of foreshadowed she was going to be there. Um, so. I'm trying. I was trying to calculate. First of all, how many years later is this supposed to be? So, we ten or know eleven, that I think. Ten or eleven, and so or maybe and when nine. Did, and when does Asylum take place? So this is in 1962. Asylum, I think, is in '63 or '64. So not and, long after Pepper's. Yeah, yeah. And then I think uh, obviously uh, the Jupiter storyline is 1953, I believe. Yeah. I wonder if Pepper ever made the connection that Sister Jude so looks an awful lot like Elsa. <laughs> Yeah, um, I thought that too. I, it's funny when she was saying goodbye. I was like, "Don't worry, you'll see her again soon in the asylum." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except she'll be kind of an asshole. She'll be to mean you. at first. Yeah, yeah. But then you'll become best friends, right? In her mind. So let's talk about Pepper's downfall. I guess we would call it. Um, we have this scene where the sister, Pepper's sister, is talking to Sister Mary Eunice, and you know, basically having Pepper committed. And we're kind of getting the backstory piece by piece. Uh, the sister thought she wasn't able to have babies, but she happens to have a surprise baby right before her 50th birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the baby's deformed. Um, we don't know if he's, you know, a pin a pinhead like Pepper is or if right. what exactly his deformity is. But clearly they have some of that in their family. But... Uh, it seems like a pretty sweet deal for the mom because she's just on bed rest and has Pepper make her cocktails while taking care of her baby for her. Yeah, Pepper is like super nanny. Uh, she's like a slave, basically, because she yeah. goes and makes drinks and she takes care of the baby and she does diapers yeah. all this stuff. Um, it seems like the wife is jealous of the hu- She thinks the husband like wants to 
Yeah, with I, Pepper. That, that was out of the blue to me. Like she was just a drunk. I thought like being stupid. Uh, she, God, they both bugged me so bad. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think she was just being a drunk. Do you, she says something after that about how Pepper was soon walking around naked. Do you think that she really was, or do you think that she? Was no, no, that? that's yeah. just part of their story they concocted. Yeah, Pepper. Sm- I think she Pepper's smart enough to like Pepper's... be self aware and self conscious like that. Yeah. So then we learn about Pepper's murder story, um, which we just see these this selfish couple um, God, this basically dumb. like saying how they wish they could go out, but unfortunately they can't because they have a, a deformed baby. And even though Pepper would have probably just been fine watching the baby, and it wouldn't have been no big deal, but instead of just even you know taking that risk and just leaving them, they decide instead that they're going to kill them both. Two birds. So not only does the husband kill the baby, but he like Ugh. he slaughters it with like a giant knife. <laughs> so clearly he was yeah. some kind of sociopath too. And it's like all these like fifties, uh, you know, um, gentlemen like Dandy and like um, you know Penny's dad and stuff are, are yeah are like secret murders up. and nuts. And so. He locks Pepper outside and slaughters this baby. And just again, to Ryan know, Murphy like, and Brad Falchuk hate real parents. They, like they can't be good people. You have to have adoptive parents to find your real family. <laughs> uh, well, we, we definitely are playing with what the definition of family is, and I think you know, yep. with the whole theme of orphans and with you know Elsa being kind of the pseudo the standard mother and Desiree becoming this other kind of standard mother. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty gruesome. And also, you know, just to, to note, it was a bloodbath because the baby was getting mm-hmm. in the bath and, and Pepper screams into the blood. So obviously another parallel there. Mm. Um, mm. And so, so we sad. see this like terrible scene where she gets put in a straitjacket and gets dragged off to the asylum. Um, and her bitch sister saying, oh, she ruined my life. You must never, ever let her out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, I couldn't stand those people. What a t- terrible people. Seriously. I mean, we knew ultimately she would end up there. We just didn't think she'd end up in the asylum under such, like, conniving, malicious, tragic circumstances. Oh, absolutely. It was... And so Sister Mary Eunice chastises Pepper for killing the baby. And um, we... I think this is the first time we hear Pepper talk. And, you know, she says... Is it? Do we hear her say words otherwise? Does she say salty at the beginning? She says baby, and then she said, and then and then then unit sister Mary Eunice said, says yes, you killed a baby, you killed a baby, and then she and then I think Eunice says Lucas, and then Pepper says Lucas, and she she goes, oh my gosh, right, and then you, and then they're Eunice besties. Thinks, Eunice thinks she sees like the light of God of remorse, remorse in yeah. her eyes and. Which in reality, really she's just... probably seeing. What do you think? In reality, oh, in reality, what is Eunice? Like, what, what kind of emotion is uh, Pepper giving? Well, I think that when she just, you know, with that name, you know, Pepper had spent so much time with that baby and clearly mm-hmm. really cared for the baby and was basically the mother of that baby. And so, mm-hmm. what she probably saw in in Pepper was just like the absolute devastation of having lost that baby, and not yeah. only that, but kind of probably having lost everyone she loved. Over right. the course of time, I could um, yeah. I I bet I I felt like sorry. Excuse me. Woo. Um, I think I saw. I think she sees some like grief. Yeah, that sure. could be construed as remorse. You know, remorse. Yeah. I think but anyway, right. it was sad. It was sad nonetheless. And again, Naomi Grossman does a wonderful job. Yeah, and so Unit, yeah, and so Eunice, Eunice is great too. Sorry, Lily well, Rae does a great job. <laughs> it was fun that we got to see that character again. Yeah, um, and now they're yeah now they're best buds, like you said. And she asks <laughs> Pepper to organize the library and calls her her special project. Uh, and now here's the like big reveal at the end of the episode: Pepper stacking these Life magazines in the '60s. And who do we see on the cover of one of the Life magazines? I didn't see the date of this Life magazine. I don't know if you did. I did. It was 1956, I believe. 1956 or 58. One of those two. I couldn't make it out. And we see Elsa on the cover. And it says something about her being the queen of Friday Night TV. So it's like, yep. 
Okay, so if it's sixty, if it's so, that's pretty soon after the freak so show. So it's five years after that. That that magazine is five years old when uh, Pepper's putting it, stacking it. Right, but I mean, like, how far? How how far is it after our current? Like our right. So it's five years after where we are right now. Right, and so we learn, I guess, that she really is going to get that Friday night gig. But how but, will she get it? But obviously, yeah, Stanley is not who he says he is, so it's not really through him. So it's kind of right. incredible that she gets that. Something's um, going to happen. Also incredible that she actually gets any kind of notoriety at all because she's such a crappy performer. <laughs> and um, I guess, you know, we also reveal that she's, she lives through the end of the season, which is something we weren't necessarily sure of. Mm-hmm. Well, she lives till at least 19 the day after that magazine came out. <laughs> Well, right, but yes, yeah, so I guess it depends. How, you know how much time wherever the season is. Season, but I mean, were you shocked when you saw that? Uh, I was. I was. I was surprised. I I didn't think they'd give away such a um, kind of a big reveal. Uh, but then again, let's remember we we have three. We have thirteen episodes. So three episodes left. So oh, is it thirteen? I was thinking. I think. I think reason. it's thirteen. I think uh, you're right. I think you're right. And so we have three episodes to get from where we are to that point, which a lot is obviously going to happen. It's American Horror Story. It's going to hit the fan. It is. I don't know how she's going to make it happen, but, you know, Jessica Lange always seems to make something happen <laughs> with her characters. Yeah, so now I guess it's just kind of filling in the, the in-between. Right. Um, so now let's talk, I guess, about our subplot, the Maggie subplot. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning here, we see her drinking out of a flask and kind of yearning for Jimmy. She's like spinning a card of him. So she too has kind of become a drunk, which you'd think after seeing Jimmy kind of descend into his drunkenness that she would... And Ethel and hers. Right. (laughs) Excuse me, that she would learn to... uh, That it's not necessarily going to help much. But uh, that's when Desiree brings Angus into have their fortune read. And this is the first time we kind of... well, first of all, we see how they met, which is we. I think this is like the most exposed we see of Desiree with her. <laughs> that, oh my her, god, the triple pasties, <laughs> which is she has the ta- the tassels on her triple nips. That was great, <laughs> and he's just like mesmerized in the audience. Um, but we we get to see kind of how Esmeralda reads them, and this must be how she's kind of been BSing people from the beginning. The way she like you know looks at their shoes, looks at the way they interact, looks at their different things to try to you know find details to make up this fake view, you know fake fortune she's reading um but clearly she's drunk and so she's kind of pissed about that they're like clearly you know in love and happy happy so she kind of throws her own thoughts into their already made a fortune i guess and just says you're gonna have a depressing miserable end and you're never gonna be happy together and so <coughs> excuse me what are you gonna say oh uh, I, I i was annoyed with this I was like what are you doing maggie like I, I don't like. Are you that bitter? Like you oh, saw Jimmy banging another girl. Well, I could see. I mean, clearly she was upset by that. They, I feel like they've <laughs> been together for a month. <laughs> yeah, but like I think that she, after he like saved their lives with the clowns, like she really mm-hmm. saw him as like the hero, and you know her white knight kind of, and he kind of fell off his horse, obviously. And not only that, but like in a, like a super gross way. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think she's very happy being with Stanley. And she thought that maybe right. he, like, that was her chance at happiness and he kind of just threw it away. So That's a good point. I'm, I'm, I think I'm used to people people having a little more composure, Maggie. Well, and she's drunk. And, and I think true. that she's supposed to be drunk. And Got so, it. you know, she's out on the carousel pulling a, a twisty, like, slowly on that carousel. When Desiree comes out to confront her and... She kind of it doesn't not take much for Maggie to spill her her beans here. She clearly, comes this clean is, pretty quickly. I mean, I, what I would say about that is like clearly it's a secret she's been like wanting to tell and has been weighing on her for some time. Um, which I think we could have kind of guessed that it was weighing on yeah, her conscience. Yeah, especially now, like you've mentioned, without Jimmy, she's kind of lost any chance. So what has she got to lose? Yeah, Stanley's going to kill her if she doesn't play along anyway. So let's. Get an ally, and who better than the strongest woman she knows, Desiree? Yeah. So she admits outright that she's not a fortune teller, and reveals she's like, the truth I could have of... told you that. <laughs> yeah. 
And she reveals the truth about her and Stanley, but it's not the, the full truth. But we do get some backstory. And we see them back in Kansas City in 1941. Woo-hoo. So this would have been 10 or so years ago. Um, and she's basically a, a newsie. <laughs> and it's like a little orphan newsie that's like stealing stuff, picking people's pockets and stuff. And then yeah. Stanley steps in to help her and not get arrested by the police. And then uh, pays her to be his con partner. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, well, then uh, Desiree's like, so what are you guys doing here all the way down in Jupiter? She's like, oh, we came here to steal, to pickpocket people who come to the shows. She's like, I love, she's like, you, you came all the way down here to pick some people's pockets. Oh, I believe I her exact. Been born on yes. the farm, but I know how to smell, I know the smell of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that was another great line. Uh, yeah. Like but, that. um, Anyway. So we get a little bit of the background on, I guess, on Stanley and Maggie, which we've been asking for. But it's not, he's not like weighing anything. It felt anything. empty. Well, it, exactly. We were thinking like maybe he was weighing something over her head or, you know, um, like why would why was she so pressured into like killing people and stuff like that? That's, you know, it's really not yeah. clear. I mean, she's, she feels somewhat indebted to him, I guess, for kind of, he must have been kind of a father figure to her, I guess, because yeah. she was an orphan. We, you know, we find out she's an orphan. Right. And so he kind of stepped in and took care of her. So I guess maybe that's why she feels indebted to him. Uh, but then, you know, Desiree threatens threatens to kill Maggie if she finds out that Stanley's... That they're basically... If they're killing people on the... In the freak show. Yep. Um, so before the big reveal for Desiree, Maggie goes back to her tent where Bet and Dot are waiting for her. And they want to give Maggie their savings that they were saving up for their surgery so that they can get Jimmy, a good lawyer, to get out of prison. Uh, but Maggie just kind of shits all over him and makes fun of him and <sighs> thinks they're just sh- Maybe she's just so, like, cynical about the idea of love or anybody doing something positive for someone else now that it's she's kind of a... She's a kind of a dick to him she her character is all over the place at one point she'll she's like the moral compass when she's preventing them from tarring and feathering and murdering uh what's her name uh penny's Penny, dad and, yeah. and now she's just totally negative and pessimistic about any type of love or or uh, happy life uh ever at all it's right. she's kind of all over the map i'd agree for with me. that uh, but Dot kind of puts her in her... Well, Bet and Dot both kind of... They kind of put her in her place and they clearly yeah. make her feel bad, it seems like, at that point. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of see their turning point. So good on them, I guess, for, you know, being... Especially, you know, kind of the way Jimmy rejected them. I mean, clearly they're putting Jimmy's well-being above themselves in a number of ways because not only are they, you know, trying to save him, but they're, tr- you know, trying to also make Maggie be involved and kind of be part of the hero, which is they know that he's in love with Maggie and they're going to go be, you know, go and be willing to talk to Maggie and stuff too. So it's very noble of that and that. And, you know, they seem to be working together clearly um, in a way we haven't seen them really work together before. I, I kind of liked what I saw Bat and Dot in this. Yeah. Episode, it's nice to see moment. them like, yeah, we haven't seen them really bond. I mean, after the previous episode where we find they see, they get together and, go through whatever they go through. But yeah, it's nice to see them paired up and working toward a common goal. Right. In the meantime, Stanley also, goes to... Oh, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's also nice to see uh, Bet take charge and be like, no, 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 I got this. And also to comfort her sister, too, which is like she mm-hmm. has more strength than she did when this, sh- this show began. Exactly. Because- you know, she would have just kind of deferred to whatever Dot said, but you know, Dot's like, "I want to punch her in the face," and Bet's like, "Settle down, I got it taken care of." And so, you know, this what they went through last episode is, is especially been a transformation for Dot or Bet. I mean, I think it's been one for both of them, but especially for Bet. So in the meantime, Stanley's going to go visit Jimmy in jail, and at first, I was thinking like, uh, "Did Maggie send him? Was this her idea of help?" Yeah, um, but but clearly that's not the case. He just this was his own concoction. Um, something else to note though is that Stanley here confesses to losing his mother when he was young and being a troubled orphan. And so obviously this episode being called Orphans, let's take a moment and think about all the characters in the show that do not have parents. I mean, Jimmy is recently orphaned. Uh, well, I guess he still has Dell, but you know his mother died recently. Dandy's recently orphaned because he killed his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Bat and Dot have been orphans since the beginning of the show because they killed their mother. Oh my god! Um, 
again, can we talk about how much Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk hate mothers? Look what they do to them. They kill them all. There's a, well, and then you've got the fathers who are all assholes. Yeah. Again, your actual biological parents are terrible people if you believe these shows. <laughs> and it profoundly screws you up, basically, if you don't have yep. somebody to play those father-mother roles for you. Yeah. Ooh. I do not want to sit at a bar and have drinks with those writers. It's kind of, I mean, it's That'll definitely real it's dark, dark and cynical, yeah. And so, call my mom you know, after this. It's like, yeah, you gotta, I love you. <laughs> you did a good job. I'm not a crazy person, and I'm not going to kill you. I promise not to kill you. <laughs> so Jimmy doesn't know if he actually killed the woman or not. Right. I mean... You know, obviously he was drunk and upset, but I, th- I mean, I think he does know that he like doesn't have that in him. But at the same time, just he doesn't really remember what happened, and so he just, you know, he's upset about what happened. Obviously, so it's mm-hmm. like he, he's just really confused. Um, and Stanley says he doesn't think that he doesn't think that Jimmy really killed him. Do you think Stanley really thinks that, or is he just bullshitting Jimmy to play into his? Oh, he's plan. just setting setting him up for uh, so he can put some hope into Jimmy's heart to fight the case with this lawyer he's going to get. This lawyer who is supposedly the son of Clarence Darrow. Um, Clarence Darrow, for reference, is a was a famous lawyer like in the 1920s and stuff like that. The case they reference, this monkey case, has to do with um, it was this big case in Tennessee about whether or not evolution should be taught in schools. And he was on the side of pro- because um, there was a law that evolution couldn't be taught in schools, and he was defending the teacher who um, wanted to teach evolution in schools, and so he was like, but he, I think, and he had a he was in a, like administered a couple other pretty famous um, cases. It was like a big personality, so I think that he was a b- big, well known lawyer at the time. Um, but I couldn't help thinking while he talks about this son of Clarence Darrow that it's probably just going to be. Uh, his boy toy, <laughs> Dr. Sugar, like oh, being, yeah. being some idiot, <laughs> like reading more dumb, reading more lines. <laughs> Next, we're just, yeah, we're going to see him. Like, yeah. I was going to say, we're going to see him stripping for Stanley in a lawyer's costume, but that's oh, just going to be like, it's just going to be like a suit, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but he's going to, I mean, it was pretty, did you, it was pretty implied that he was going to take Jimmy's lobster hand as a retainer when he's talking about, like, I just need to take a retainer. Oh, as soon as he said, yeah, one, as soon as he said, well, you know, well, have to, what could you give him? And, like, immediately, we, I feel like my mind went, oh, his hands, and then uh, cinematic, cinematically? The way it they, flips over. Oh, my gosh. They, they were heavy-handed with showing his hands, like, when Stanley's hand goes through the... Uh, to the door and he snaps at him it's his hand sticking out <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it when it flips body. over and goes on Jimmy's hands like okay we got it <laughs> but yeah, it was it was still hands. pretty cool yeah did you think that Jimmy was actually going to give up the hands I thought he was going to give up one of them I, I thought one of them might go because Jimmy's so... not the sharpest tool in the shed often no, well, it sounds like he wasn't. So, kind of leading up to this this big, I don't even know if it's a reveal because we kind of saw it coming. But back yeah. at the freak show, um, so Desiree's kind of cooking, and this is when she's starting to be more motherly. This is what I was talking about. I like the way the camera kept circling her. Um, it didn't really seem like it had a purpose, but it was kind of cool. Did you notice that? Yeah, the way, like, it was the cool. Was like... Yeah, it was going around, and yeah, I liked it. I, you know, do you think there was any? It was just supposed to be like a cool effect, or was there some kind well, of intention of it? I, the way I saw it spinning around her is kind of like how she was spinning around the tank, and how all these freaks are in these tanks that are circular, and they're you know people can um, ogle them from all three hundred sixty degrees. So I kind mm-hmm. of meant like the audience is now seeing or is looking at a freak, looking at a freak <laughs> uh, in a tank, just like the you know, the pinhead or salty and, and my petite. And now Jimmy's hands are in a, in a tank. Yeah. Oh, I like that too. The, what I was thinking when she was, you know, cooking and stuff like that is just how she's kind of like, she's kind of nesting now, you know, she's being the mother hen. And so in some ways it's like the camera is like forming this nest kind of around her with these circular movements too. Oh, that's cool too. Um, Um, I did like when she was talking about her ingredients when she was cooking, 
Mm-hmm. She was like, what did she, I wrote it down? Uh, she's like, an arm, a shoulder, some salt, pepper. I was like, oh man, she's just listing like all the types of deformities and people that are in the uh, <laughs> in the freak show. I'm so stupid. I just realized now, salt and pe- salty and pepper were the names. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh my god! I wasn't you're, thinking about it. <laughs> you're you're kicked off the show. That was very dumb. But um, <laughs> yeah, how many times can we say pepper in this episode in like food terms? Um, <laughs> anyway, so Maggie tells Desiree she wants to do the right thing. Um, she needs to connect the dots to put away the real villain. Was she referring to Stanley here, or was she referring to Dandy? I think, think she was referring to Stanley. Yeah, but what I, dots I does she need to? What dots does she need to connect then? Because she knows that Stanley. Right. Well, she's guy. seen how Meep was treated when he was innocent, and she's seen how um, Jimmy's been thrown in. And obviously, there's some corrupt cops or something's involved that she needs to cover all her bases to make sure she doesn't just accuse. Uh, Stanley outright and say, "Hey, he did all this stuff," and then you know Stanley can trick everyone again or do whatever he does, like like Dandy did, where he just pays people off. So she just wants to make sure she has every evidence probably possible, and that starts with Desiree witnessing what's happening. Right. So she takes Desiree to the Morbidity Museum, and you know she sees Ma Petite and Salty, and then the big reveal, which is Jimmy's hands. And that's when Maggie passes out. And so I yeah. guess from now on, are we just going to have Jimmy with his stumps, I guess? I mean, I I guess so. I, I don't know. I, I Actually, yeah, I believe so. And if they go back on this and make that like a hallucination, I'll be pissed. Yeah, me too. There's no I, I there's no way that could be the case. I think it's pretty. Yeah, they got, they, he got those. <laughs> I, he sent those up there pretty quickly, though. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, agreed. He like I, I I thought we wouldn't find out. I thought honestly, I thought when they pulled open the um, pulled over the pulled the drape off of the tank, it was going to be um, Ethel's head. Oh yeah, because I think we thought she was probably there somewhere too. I I figured they would have milked Jimmy's decision on will he cut his hands off or not a little bit longer, but no, we went right to it. He very quickly gave up his hands for the yeah. lawyer. Hey, did you see the preview for next episode? I did, and I do want to talk about that, but let's wait and talk about that after we wrap up this episode. So, I mean, now that you've had a time to think about it and everything, I don't know, where do you stand? I mean, obviously, the primary, Pepper is the very primary story, and we have a little bit of kind of the uh, Maggie, I guess, helping to put the pieces together for for Desiree and everybody else to kind of bring some justice, but... right. I, I think Pepper's standalone flashback episode and her whole, you know, narrative arc as as being found in uh, the orphanage to the tragedy with her sister and and her sister's husband and what happened there and 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 the loss of Salty and her growth while she was at the freak show to her downfall at the asylum but with that little sliver of light that with as a friendship with sister mary eunice was a great you know story standalone story i wish it would have been in an asylum (laughs) and not this season i think it would have been great in asylum um that being said i still like it i just don't think it belongs in this episode or this season (laughs) um but i i still liked it enough that i'm gonna give it a good um good grade uh i also liked a lot of the filming the transitions between the 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 flashback and the flash forwards were all kind of cool uh and then i i think i liked the uh, the the surgeons of uh desiree is kind of a a a heavy hitter that's going to probably uh rock the boat and shake things up for everything and everyone uh in the freak show so i give it uh I was going to go higher, and then halfway we were talking about this, I dropped down a little bit. I think I'm going to land in the middle, and I'm going to give it – oh, God, I can't decide. I'll, I'll give it a four. I was going to go wow. 3.75, but I'm going to give it a four. Wow. <sighs> okay. So I'm with you in that. I think the episode was incredibly well acted by – especially by the woman, Naomi – what's her last name? Grossman. 
Grossman, who played Pepper. She the acting was great, and I, I mean, it was a powerful story, and it pulled at my heartstrings. And there was a lot of great filming, and it was sad and tragic. My frustrations with it are a few things, and I mentioned them before. But I'm going to reemphasize them here. First of all, this was not horror. It was just it was just only horror in the sense that it was horribly sad. Um, I guess there was a murder, but they it's killed not a baby. like yeah, but that was just really like yeah. They chopped the head I, off <laughs> a dead body though. Yeah, it's just like I feel like we're like again like we're not doing it's not fun horror anymore we're doing like really tragic miserable horror that you don't like watch that and feel like oh that was kind of intense and fun to watch after it was just like oh man that that put me in a really sad mood (laughs) um but uh, that being said it was it was well done and i it's not like that it's not like they it was clearly what they were trying to do i just question whether or not that should have even been a thing to begin with um the other part of it is, I agree with you that especially at episode like in episode ten, this is too late in the season to have a standalone episode like this. I feel like because we're too invested. Like, there's too many things going on that we want to move toward. You know, we're kind of building the conclusion now. I feel like right. this this episode, at least the Pepper storyline, would have been better suited for early on in the season. Right. To, you know. Um, because now, at this point, like we've talked about before, we kind of have had these themes of innocence lost and of freaks kind of being taken advantage of and all this stuff that's just been kind of like hammered in over and over in all these episodes. But um, if we'd had this more at the beginning of the season, it feels like this would have been more powerful because it kind of would have been building a foundation. More. We would have cared more. And it would have been like building that foundation for this theme to kind of continue. So this, I just felt like this was more of the same, but in like the most dramatic, like depressing way. Yeah. And so I, I agree. I agree with you. If not in Asylum, I think it belonged earlier in in the season. Um, the Maggie storyline. Um, I what I'm going to say about that and about both the storylines together is that I thought I, Desiree was great. I enjoyed having her be a big part of this episode. Um, I guess I'm glad we finally got a little bit of the background on Stanley and Maggie, Even although I don't know. Empty. It was so I was like, say, boring. I don't know that was fully satisfying. I'm ex- I I do I mean I mean, I do think it was cool that they tied it together with Pepper seeing Elsa on life because that was that was definitely unexpected for me. Mm-hmm. Jimmy's Jimmy's hands, on the other hand, um, were it was pretty obvious that was coming coming next, but um. Oh, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm debating whether I want to give it a three or a three and a half. Because I feel like there's parts I liked, but I'm, I was very frustrated Ooh, with some hey, parts. Give of it a three because the more you talk about it, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have given it a four. I should have given it a 3.75. Give it a 3.25 if you want. <laughs> I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a three just because okay. there were there was things I liked, but there's like what this episode didn't really have was the horror element. And that's like obviously why we watched this show in the first place. Um and there's just oh, there's so many despicable characters. At least they oh. didn't sing in it. That's true. There was no singing. At least we didn't have like Pepper singing Katy Perry or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'm although I might three. get I, that might have actually get, made it better. If Pepper <laughs> like like Pepper. Remember in like the end of Asylum when she was very eloquent and like the big tough like badass. That's right. Maybe if that pepper sang it, that'd be exciting and cool. I wish anyway. it, it would have been kind of cool if we gotten a glimpse of that pepper, like in this episode. If we're already going to kind of hinting it, you know, everything's coming to silent. That would have been fun to get a little something like that. Um, and I, I guess the other thing is like I kind of wish we would have gotten a little bit more out of the asylum part, like some other fun connection, like she runs into somebody else. Who we know oh, yeah, or something totally. like just because if we're already going to do the asylum connection it would have been fun just to get a little bit more out of that um yeah so i, I guess i'm going to give it a three which gives us a solid what you, you gave it a you get a four okay so it gives us a seven so it's not our lowest of the season i don't think um it's not no nope. but it's certainly not our best mm-hmm. and with with three episodes left it just it, 
I guess part of it also is like I want to get really excited and pumped for these last three episodes, and I don't feel like that really accomplished. For for that. mid-season break or winter break finale, I don't know if they would even call it that. It wasn't as thrilling as, say, The Walking Dead's one where everyone was talking about it. Not that it has to be everyone talking about it, but there was no... Like, our big reveal is, like, Jimmy lost his hands and Elsa is going to be famous. That's That does... I mean, I'm still going to watch it because I love the show, but it doesn't give me enough hook to drag me for three weeks till I see the next episode. I guess the element of suspense is supposed to be somehow between now and the end of the season, Stanley and Dandy, we th- we assume, are both going to go down somehow. Right. Um, and Elsa's going to go on to be famous. It's just not clear how that's going to happen. I just wish they would have... And I mean, I guess that's what they're probably trying to do with the Maggie storyline was like incorporate that this was like, you know, the beginning of Stanley's downfall. But it just didn't feel like enough of a a build up or kind of a, you know, enough suspense was built. So, yeah, I think seven is is pretty on point. Yeah. So before we go on, yeah, let's talk about, well, not next week. So everyone keep in mind, we've got two weeks (laughs) off, so we're not going to get another episode, I think, till January January 7th. So it's going to be 2015. That's crazy. Um, but Neil Patrick Harris is showing up. Yep, yep. And he looks like he is going to be a little nutty as well. <laughs> he's the new owner of the Freak Show, and it looks like he's going to try to saw Bet and Dot in half, maybe. Or he's in love with them, or both. I'm not entirely sure. I feel like everyone's always everything. And maybe he's going to have a showdown with Dandy, but uh, he's also yeah. covered in blood at one point, so... They're going to have a crazy off. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it looks pretty fun. It looks like it'll be exciting. But it's also kind of, with three episodes left, we're we're seriously going to introduce a new character. Well, they did that in Kevin a lot. And I was like, oh my gosh, can we just make a cohesive narrative for all our characters? It's only 13 episodes. Yeah. There's always an enemy. Maybe he'll be like more Drake. Maybe he'll only have a you know be a one episode or like Matt Bowler's yeah. character. He'll only be a one episode kind of kind of deal cameo. Yeah, kind of a cameo. Uh, but I'm excited to see what he does because I mean, did you see Gone Girl? I did. I did not. So he plays like kind of like a creepy, a creepy stalkerish kind of guy in Gone Girl, and so he and he was like, I thought he did pretty. He was pretty effective as like as that creepy kind of, mm-hmm. you know that creepy personality and so i can only imagine he's going to be bringing more of that to the table so i'm kind of excited oh, to see yeah. what he is with that yeah anyway anything else do you think we haven't adequately no, covered here that's it i am wiped this week is crazy me too well i mean thanks everybody for joining us again and as always yeah check us out on facebook this american horror story podcast Email us at This American Horror Story um, over the break if you're thinking about the show. Um, and, you know, rate us, review us, download us off of iTunes and Stitcher. And everybody have uh, have a happy holiday season. Um, yeah, ha- happy holidays. Uh, we'll see you in 2015 when Tyler Moss will be getting married. Yeah, although not till August. But it'll be the year of it, which is crazy. So, wow. All right. Well, without further ado, <laughs> my friend, where can people uh, follow you over the break? Yeah, Twitter and Instagram, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And you, my friend Tyler? Check me out at TJMoss11. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us, and um, happy hauntings. Happy hauntings.